I'm Candace Lim. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. And today, today we are recapping a war. The war between Barbie and Oppenheimer that occurred this weekend. It has been a year-long campaign trail, but Greta Gerwig and Christopher Nolan... They both came out with movies this weekend. One is about a skinny legend and the other is Barbie, but <laughs> they both did pretty well. Yeah, I think they're both breaking records mm-hmm. for movies that came out on the same weekend. Oppenheimer made $80 million this weekend and Barbie, well, Barbie's a girl boss, so she mm-hmm. had to do better than that. She did $155 million earning Greta Gerwig the biggest opening weekend ever for a female director so i mean there's clearly a winner here Mm -hmm, at least in terms of money maybe not in terms of quality wow say that i mean just speaking very personally i watched barbie what did you watch i i saw both she was boppenheimer okay (laughs) so i watched barbie and you know my hot thoughts on it are just that i think it's great that barbie had the bigger opening weekend. I don't think anyone is surprised by that because you have to be like a very specific person to go see Oppenheimer. Just like it's a very moody film. But I think I'm happy because one, you know, Greta Gerwig is really paving the way for her next film to have a huge budget for like Olivia Wilde whenever she returns to like also get a bigger budget. So I guess that's good for like solo female directors trying to like, you know, hit the mainstream. But on top of that, I feel like Barbie marketing-wise, audience-wise, it was so activated by, like, this predominantly female and queer audience. And, you know, like, when you look at the biggest grossing box office films of, like, history or whatever, it's, like, Avatar, Avengers Endgame, Avatar. So, like, male directors, male fan bases, male blue people. And so I I fully acknowledge that all of those fandoms, you know, the MCU, they have a strong non-male fan base. Shout out, Daisy. And... I will also say, though, that Barbie was, like, so openly and bravely and, like, brashly pink, brashly girly. It's Barbie, bitch. And I just feel like we showed up. We showed up to the polls. And I just feel like this means that the future of box office rests in the hands of the female. So, like, my daughter, wherever she is, because she's not alive or she does not exist yet, um, she will be, like, the determining factor if James Cameron has a career after Avatar 3000. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I would like to start by saying I was a Barbie defender among my friends. I went in very excited. I love a stupid fun movie and I thought it would be a stupid fun movie. And to be clear, there were definitely some fun parts. There were some beautifully choreographed dances, some really great, some really well-delivered lines. But I just I feel like the political ideology of this movie came from my ninth grade feminist paper um and i don't know it's kind of giving the feminist version of greenwashing you know where i'm supposed to feel okay about the fact that this is basically a giant corporation creating ip out of nothing because it is um written and directed by a woman and starring women and the thing is i would feel okay with that I love Top Gun Maverick, despite the fact it was just an ad for the Department of Defense. But that was at least fun all the way through. 
And there were so many moments in Barbie where I just rolled my eyes so hard. I was like, please, God, stop hitting me over the head with these things I saw on Tumblr in 2014. Meanwhile, an actually feminist news, Christopher Nolan is for the girlies. I've been saying this for years. I convinced our friend Adira Goff to write her for the website. Christopher Nolan, despite the fact that man only has a flip phone, somehow manages to cast every single man who appears in a fan cam in a movie filmed in the most beautiful lighting possible. I mean, I just loved watching Killian Murphy look distressed, increasingly distressed over 180 minutes. And I think that, quite frankly, is more feminist than whatever the fuck was happening in Barbie. But the thing is, I'm not mad about any of these movies. I'm so glad that we got to sit and watch. Movies are back, baby. Let's get some ass in seats. Let's get some popcorn. Let's get our Coke. Actually, my theater only had Pepsi. That was the real crime. That was the actual real crime that occurred this weekend. It's just so sad because you know that an executive just heard this and went, Coke biopic? Kokenheimer? (laughs) They already made a fake flaming hot Cheetos. I know. (laughs) Movie. I know. I know. Which is wild. I mean, and also a great point that you and our pal Nadira spoke about kind of offline was just how like if you have some criticisms or feel like, you know, there wasn't a Japanese perspective in Oppenheimer, totally get it. There are such things as Japanese cinema that does a far better job of just understanding what it was like to be on that side of, you know, the war, question mark. Perhaps we should let people who experience trauma tell the trauma themselves instead of asking Christopher Nolan to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. I know. We might get canceled for that. Before we or... do, we got to move on. The war is subsiding. It's time to dive into our favorite place. The mailbag. Mm. That's right. Today is a mailbag episode, and we've got maybe the best lineup since Boppenheimer. It's so great that we're actually... We're giving you a double dose this week. You get two mailbag episodes. This is the first one. Saturday is the second one. So tune in today and on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we come back, we'll give you some updates about the Colleen Ballinger situation. You may remember we did an episode about her in June. We'll also talk about Twitter. <clears throat> Sorry. X.com. <sighs> And the very odd case surrounding Carly Russell. All of that and more after a short break. Hey there! If you love our podcast, then maybe you should consider subscribing to Sleep Plus. With Sleep Plus, there are no ads on any sleep podcasts, and Sleep Plus helps keep this podcast going because this show would not be possible without your support. With Sleep Plus, you'll get bonus segments and episodes for shows like Slow Burn, Culture Gap Fest, and Sleep Money. You'll also never hit a paywall on the Sleep website, meaning you get access to every article and every advice column. Just visit sleep.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That's Slate.com slash ICYMI plus. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And we're back. So as you may remember, a month or so ago, we did an episode about Colleen Ballinger, who is a longstanding content creator, YouTuber, and singer who also performs under the name Miranda Sings. I'm saying you may remember, but I know you remember because so many of y'all have been asking for an update about the situation ever since we published our episode with Francesca Ramsey. I have never seen y'all so thirsty for this since, like, Bama Rush. Yeah, and you know, in case you didn't listen to that episode, A, what are you doing? But B, Colleen's been steeped in a lot of controversy for the past few months because of the allegedly inappropriate way that she's been interacting with fans. Specifically underage fans who, you know, were sent lingerie by her or asked to perform unpaid labor for her social media accounts. Or talking to fans in chat rooms where she'd ask really inappropriate questions or privately divulging rough details of her divorce to teenagers. She, in essence, was taking advantage of the power dynamics that are inherently present in a parasocial relationship. Mm -hmm. And while we do have an update, we have several, in fact. So let's start here. After our episode aired, Colleen did indeed issue an apology. But no, listen to her. No, 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 no. It's not just an apology. It's a song apology. And it's not just a song apology. It's a 10-minute song apology it's the oppenheimer mm-hmm. of song apologies mm-hmm. she's sitting on her couch with the ukulele looking i guess somber but also mm-hmm. a little unsettling it's kind of giving you know the the other world and Coraline. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna play a part of this song who didn't understand I shouldn't respond to fans And I'm not a predator even though a lot of you think so Because five years ago I made a fart joke I, I don't, I can't, like what? Okay, what do we even think is going on here? Like do you think this is a good apology, Rachel? I don't even know if this counts as an apology under, you know, the dictionary definition of an apology. Mm-hmm. She does not really apologize or yeah. say I'm sorry for anything she kind of just sweeps it under the rug and makes jokes about having a scrawny back which feels very like i'm so sorry also look at my tiny waist and dump truck ass like ma'am why are we what's going on here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when we kind of break down the transcript of this, you know, basically she does admit that she did, quote, overshare details about her personal life with younger fans, but she denies that it was creepy. She says she didn't groom anyone except her two Persian cats. Okay. And that she's, quote, not a groomer, just a loser. First off, baby girl, you can be both. Number two, (laughs) it is just so odd to put those two descriptors next to each other as if 
they're even like related on the same spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's just very like PR image rehabbing to say, I did the behavior. Okay, but the behavior is not bad. The behavior is simply miscategorized, which ugh, we've seen that so many times in so many notes app apologies. And she's like, you know, accusing her former fans of making up quote lies and rumors about her, which is just so dumb from like a future big picture perspective, because like mm-hmm. going after your fans for something you did to your fans is such dismissal of your wrongs. But also like after all this, who is left on your side? So like, who is going to be there when you are blaming your fans for your behavior? Her two Persian cats. <laughs> and it gets somehow even more complicated because people notice that her song is at one point, though currently no longer, available on streaming platforms like Apple Music. So it's available as a copyrighted song you can buy and listen to as if anyone wants to play this in an Uber. This choice then, you know, causes speculation that the reason Colleen chooses to address these allegations in a song that was then immediately copyrighted is so that other YouTubers couldn't use her apology video in their videos. The YouTube economy exists in such a way that if a video goes viral in a negative way, you're going to get a whole slew of reaction videos that basically just take that video and chop it into bits and react to individual sections. The reaction economy is strong on YouTube, but YouTube doesn't allow creators to use other people's copyrighted works in their videos, like songs. But other videos themselves are basically free game. So if she had just kept the video a video anyone could use it but theoretically if she copyrights the song no one can use it oh okay that's interesting because i'm also realizing that means that you can't react to it out of context although in context it's bad too so it's (laughs) just all of it is bad and the thing is copyright aside People online are both befuddled and angry about the quote-unquote apology video itself. Adam McIntyre, who we spoke about in our last episode about this, was 13 years old when Colleen started privately messaging him and going so far as to send him lingerie. Adam made a reaction video to her apology video, and he says that he feels like she's making fun of him. And while the fans are reacting to this, There are other allegations coming out from former employees. A black former employee of Colleen said that in her 2016 Netflix show, which is called Haters Back Off, Colleen displayed racist behavior on set. A writer's assistant claimed Colleen once said that the use of, quote, POC background actors was, quote, distracting. Mm -hmm. And then there's also this video of Colleen performing the Beyonce song, Single Ladies. Mm -hmm. And online... People are saying um, she is performing with black face paint on. And look, her representatives, I I think this part is funny because I'm like, of all the things that her reps decide to come out for, this is the one. Her representatives claim that she was actually wearing green face paint because she was just like coming off a Wicked cover. But it's like, come on, you know, the video archives, they keep on coming because someone brings up. This very not funny cover that she did as Miranda Sings of Gangnam Style by Psy. 
And like, why am I not surprised? You know, she covers the song in this very nondescript, ambiguous language that is obviously trying to be vaguely Asian. First off, that's racist. Asian is not a language. But then she just kind of like threw in random words like soy sauce, Yoshinoya, Tamagotchi, Panda Express, like dumb, da dum dum dum. And then, yeah, there's still and then's. Mm-hmm. And then JoJo C was brought into this conversation because people resurface a video of a then 13-year-old JoJo filming with Miranda Sings. One of these videos includes Miranda asking JoJo about what's inside her pants, which is actually not an uncommon bit of hers. Mm. Um, and then Trisha Paytas gets involved, which... We've talked about Trisha Paytas on the show before. Trisha Paytas has at uh, uh, varying times identified as Chicken Nugget. Um, Trisha does a whole 20-minute video called Colleen, where she claims that on several occasions, Colleen had sent nude photos and videos of Trisha to fans. The original content, Trisha claims, was, quote, behind a paywall that requires someone to be 18 and over to view. And if this is true... Colleen was distributing explicit content non-consensually, which is a crime mm-hmm. in some states, and also just awful mm-hmm. to do to someone that you claim to be friends with, to someone that you perhaps just started a podcast with this May. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, the podcast ended after three episodes, if anyone is asking. But as you can tell, you know, these accusations are getting heavier and heavier. So I just don't think we were surprised that Colleen's live shows that she was supposed to, like, keep doing through 2023, they're canceled now. And there was no official statement from her or her team. Instead, according to, like, a ticketing website, the event was canceled due to, quote, unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> Which is wild, okay? Because, like, on top of that, if you go on, you know, at Miranda Sings Official, it still says, I'm on tour in her bio. So she's just kind of, like, acting like it's still happening, that she's still going to put herself in front of a firing squad when I just want to say, like, it's over. It's over for her and it's over for us. Mm. Though, honestly, updates will probably keep updating. So I can't even say this is the last time we'll talk about this. It's the last time we'll talk about it today, though. Mm. However, things don't get better from here. No, no, no. Is it also distressing, embarrassing, possibly racist and unfunny? Yes. We're a fun show. Mm, Yep. Okay. So we are moving on to something that is like maybe less controversial, but also more annoying, a.k.a. Elon Musk rebranding Twitter as X. Okay. Now, this is maybe not the most wild news because in April, Elon changed the name of the actual company that runs Twitter, the social media platform, to X Corp. So this is kind of like a parent company thing. But this week, they changed the name of the actual social media platform to X. And here's what that means. On Twitter.com, the little blue bird logo that you usually see has now been changed to an X. And how would we describe said new logo, Rachel? I mean, it looks like every other boring fucking sans serif logo in the world. Mm -hmm. It is, it's an X, Mm -hmm. the letter. One of the lines of the X is just a regular line. The other one is like an empty parallelogram, which is a (laughs) word I haven't said in 20 years, probably. And it's white and it's against a black background. And that is, that is what X looks like. Why would you get rid of the ubiquity of the Twitter logo. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Mm-hmm. 
And the thing is, the letter X is not a random thing for Elon because say one thing about him. He always has a reason for something. He has several companies and products with an X in them. We've got the Tesla Model X, Space X. He co-founded an online financial service company called X.com that was then turned into PayPal because somebody recognized that X.com was stupid. He named his child a name that I don't know how to pronounce that has an X in it. He is what some might call X-pilled. Mm, yeah. And, you know, Elon tweeted that he changed the Twitter logo to X because he wanted to, quote, embody the imperfection in us all that make us unique. Okay. <laughs> and to me, it's like, yeah, your imperfections include having too many kids and destroying fun things, but go off. Okay. Uh but now he's saying that Twitter, the social media platform, is going to be named X.com to the point where like tweets will now be called X's. And if you type X.com into your browser, it just like auto redirects to Twitter. Are they really called X's? Are you joking? Not joking. Oh, God. It's somehow worse than skeets. Mm. I The thing is, I used to have a really bad Twitter addiction. Anybody who listened to the show could probably tell that pretty easily. Nothing has cured me of my Twitter addiction than spending a week in Burlington, Vermont, and not having Twitter on my phone, but also Twitter going down in quality that I don't even care what's happening on the app anymore. I check for work because it's my job to keep up with it, but I no longer really engage with anything on there anymore because the vibes are rancid. They're so bad. It's not fun anymore. I feel like we're all that um, person who just graduated from high school who won't stop coming to campus to relive our glory days. That's how I feel about all of us who are still spending time on Twitter. Mm -hmm. We just can't let go. And it's getting embarrassing for all of us. (laughs) That's so real. (laughs) Because like all of Elon's true flaws could probably stem back to like his high school reputation oh you know oh 100 percent. that man is carrying a grudge against somebody who rejected him in like the fucking australian or new zealand equivalent of ninth grade <laughs> i think he's south african oh those accents are really the same to me i'm gonna be honest <laughs> no, with I you mean, like, i totally get that yeah, and like, you know, according to the New York Times, they've gone like very corporate all hands, all staff on this because they've changed the names of the conference rooms to things with X in them. So like exposure, salt, sexy. Um, Candace, mm-hmm. I need you to spell out how they're spelling this because you can just say these words, but they don't count unless mm-hmm. you tell the audience how they're spelled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's um, S like Sharon, mm-hmm. three, mm-hmm. like there's three Jonas Brothers, mm-hmm. um, X like xylophone, mm-hmm. and Y like why are we doing this? <laughs> so true, Queen. And the thing is, the X is capitalized. Yeah, I forgot to say that. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, outside Twitter HQ and SF, you know, there's like a huge sign with Twitter on it, like the name. And Elon got a crew to take it down. But because he like didn't have the permits for the removal equipment to be there. So, you know, like the cranes and the electric ladder with the people and the box on the top, they like weren't allowed to be on the street. So SF PD came in. They shut that down. I'm not going to lie. That really makes me think that he just looked at some poor engineer who was still left at Twitter and Mm -hmm. was like, you are going to go rent a crane (laughs) 
and you're gonna come back even though you don't have the permit or the skill to do so mm-hmm. and this poor engineer was like okay <laughs> yeah yeah so mm, that's that's not good none of this is good it's annoying in fact i guess my only take on this is that the new x logo just kind of reminds me of the verbo logo but i'm not happier i'm actually maybe sadder mm. i guess i feel like this is also which we somehow didn't talk about this is deeply immature and not For just sure. because it's like the equivalent of HBO Discovery merging and saying we're dropping HBO, the most recognizable part of this brand. Mm-hmm. It just feels like when teenagers discover that triple X means that something is explicit mm-hmm. and Elon learned this at a formative age and since then has been like, ah, <laughs> it sounds like a porn website, but it's not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> On that note, we're going to take our X's, both the tweets and the people, and throw them away. Because we need to take a break. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, we'll get into the case of Carly Russell, who was missing until she wasn't. And that's after the break. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, I'm journalist Sam Sanders. I'm poet Saeed Jones. And I'm producer Zach Stafford. And we are the hosts of a podcast called Vibe Check. On Vibe Check, we talk about everything. News, culture, and entertainment, and how it all feels. That's right. We talk about any and everything on our show, from real-life issues like grief to music and movie critiques. And that barely scratches the surface. Yes, indeed. And it doesn't stop there. We have got a lot to say. So join our group chat, Come to Life. Follow and listen to Vibe Check wherever you get your podcasts. In 2007... TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. And we're back with the curious case of Carly Russell. Okay, 
I have to admit that I actually wasn't really keeping up with this. So Rachel, take the keys away from me. I got you. I technically can't drive, but I'm going to take this car and I'm going to pilot it somewhere. The story is wild from beginning to end. There are some real twists and turns here. So buckle up. Um, this is the closest any of you will ever get to me hosting a true crime podcast because mm-hmm. I think the genre of true crime is terrible for society. Mm-hmm. I won't be explaining any further. So the most important question here, who is Carly Russell? Well, before this month, Carly was just, you know, your regular, regular 25-year-old nursing student who worked part-time at a spa in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, well, now she's smack dab in the middle of one of the strangest stories I've ever seen cross my social media feed. And I was here for the bone thief on Tumblr. Um, wow. Okay. So when did you first encounter this story? So I think it was around July 14th. And I can pinpoint that because the story actually only happens over a few days. So I think it was around July 14th. For those of you who are somehow still unaware, I'm black and I'm a woman. Mm. I'm also friends with a lot of people who are black and also women, which means that most of the social media algorithms have clocked that I'm interested in things that pertain to black women. And unfortunately, one of the things that tends to pertain to black women is the fact that when we go missing, no one gives a fuck unless there's a huge social media uproar. So it is not really that uncommon for me to come across stories of missing black women on my social media feed that are being signal boosted by other black women. Mm -hmm. All that is to say, and one of my fave TikTokers by the handle of at Queen Leora posted this video, I wasn't surprised, even though Leora normally does wig install content and baby, the way she can lay a wig, my God. Anyway, here's her video. This is Carly Russell, and she's from my hometown, Birmingham, Alabama. And last night, driving on the highway that I take to get home every single night, she was abducted. She saw a toddler on the side of the road. She called 911 and reported it. She hung up and called her sister-in-law. Her sister-in-law heard her get out the car and ask the child, are you okay? Next thing she heard was screaming. After that, silence. The police pulled up three minutes later and they found Carly's wig, her phone, her Apple Watch, and her car still running with the door open. Someone called in and reported that they saw a gray vehicle in front of Carly's red Mercedes before the police arrived. But other than that, it's no leads on this case. This could have been anybody. Driving down the highway, if you see a toddler on the side of the road, of course you're going to be concerned. And Carly was in the medical field, so I know her heart is super big and she truly was probably concerned about this child on the side of the road. Like, look how beautiful she is. She doesn't deserve this. All she wanted to do was pull over and help a child in need. Look, she doing something with her life. She don't fucking deserve this. If you know any information about where Carly Russell is or any information pertaining to her disappearance, please use the information on this flyer. As women, we have to be careful out here. You can't even pull over to check on the well-being of a child without having to worry about your safety. Ladies, please be careful. Always be aware of your surroundings. Even if it's something as simple as checking on a child, you can't trust anything these days. So this video was posted on July 14th and currently has 7.8 million views. It's a green screen video. So Leora is talking and in the background is a missing persons poster with Carly's face on it and her information. Before I move on, Candace, what are your reactions to this video? First off, it says that Carly Russell is 5'4". So she is right. She could have been any of us because the majority of our team is 5'4". I can identify with her there. It's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Um, I understand this does seem a little distressing. I mean, look, she is right that women should be aware. Women should be aware. I can I can meet her there. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Keep that reaction in mind. And then let's watch a video that Leora posted on July 20th. So six days after this. Keep in mind the tone of the video we just watched. Gotcha. Look at the tone six days later. Carly, bitch, you was lying this whole motherfucking time. You got me on here acting like I'm Oprah Winfrey, ho. Bitch, I done peeled off every single one of my lashes, ho, because I'm so stressed out about you, bitch. I'm talking about I keep watching the highway footage. I just swear up and down a midget got you in a headlock, bitch. But that's really you going in your backseat to get the snacks from Target, bitch. Bitch, I done called my grandma about you, ho. I done told my grandma to create a prayer circle for you. I really was worried. Then you done stole from your fucking job. You done put the money in your sock. Bitch, you done rolled up to your mama's house butt-ass naked, but you got some money in your sock. Tell me some of the kidnappers gave it to me. So the kidnappers gave you a parting gift? This is why they don't believe us when we be missing, bitch. It's really people out here that need fucking help and you wasting our time because you trying to make a nigga mad. You finna piss me the fuck off, Carly. I really made a video about this shit. I don't be speaking on nothing, but I spoke on your lying ass. And you had to be from Birmingham, too. Okay, so I feel like something happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like something happened between the first video and the second. Mm-hmm. Um, I really admire your powers of deduction. Mm. So you might be wondering what the fuck happened between the first and the second video for that vibe to switch up so quickly. So to answer that question, we have to go back. Back to the day that Carly went missing. Leora did a pretty good job describing the facts of the case, but I'm going to go over them again because quite frankly, we need to. On July 13th, Carly left work stopped at a Mediterranean restaurant to pick up some food for her mom, and then she made a Target run to grab some snacks. Typical day in the life of a girly, right? Well, according to the police department, which, to be clear, you should always, always, always treat police reports with deep skepticism. But according to this police report that was later filed, Carly took some things from her job before she left, including a brown robe, a roll of toilet paper, and some other items. This is this is maybe the first inkling that something is perhaps afoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. I am with you. What is the next inkling? So, it's 9.34. Carly calls 911 to report seeing a toddler walking along the side of the interstate in Hoover, Alabama. And according to the police statement on the incident, Russell told the 911 dispatcher that she would pull over to help this child. At this point, she calls her brother's girlfriend, which... If you're a woman in society, you're used to keeping people on the phone when you're in a sus situation. According to the New York Times, who spoke with Carly's mother, the girlfriend heard Russell get out of her car, address someone, and then scream. And then from there, all that was heard was silence and traffic sounds from the highway. The brother's girlfriend immediately calls Carly's family, who track Carly's phone to her car, which is still sitting on the side of the highway. The car is still running. Carly's purse and the food she picked up for her mother are still in the car. Her wig and other belongings are scattered on the ground near the car. Missing are Carly, the items she took from the spa, and the snacks from Target. Mm, Okay, okay. So this is where I start to get a little... A little skeptical. I mean, missing our Carly check. Item she took from the spa. Interesting. The snacks from Target. Okay. Listen, maybe she grabbed them to give to this child that she saw running across the road. Sure. Sure, 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 sure. Because the toddler obviously would like some popcorners. I understand. I've been there. Okay. Um, 
What happens next? All right. So Russell's reported missing. And unusually for a black woman, this immediately becomes national news. Her case goes viral on social media with people like Leora signal boosting her disappearance and spreading the facts that are known at that point. People completely unrelated to her family start getting involved. And an anonymous source offers a $20,000 reward along with the $5,000 reward that is raised by Crime Stoppers. Within a day and a half of Carlette's disappearance, that reward increases to $60,000. I cannot say how bizarre this is for a Black woman. This is not what happens when Black women go missing. This is what should happen when a Black woman goes missing. But it feels like for the first time maybe ever that the disappearance of a Black woman is actually being taken seriously, both by the public and law enforcement who are doing searches on the ground pretty constantly. But meanwhile, some people can't help noticing that there's some interesting stuff happening with this disappearance. Perhaps most notably that toddler that Carly was trying to help. Now, If you've ever watched Criminal Minds, you know, there are definitely cases of kidnappers using children as bait. But I'm going to be honest, the only way to describe how um, interesting this little tidbit is, is for me to read the way the New York Times described this particular detail. Quote, Among the most puzzling details about this case is how no other driver on the heavily traversed interstate managed to spot a toddler walking on the side of the road that night, an image that would have surely prompted more 911 calls than just Miss Russell's. Mm, I mean, I think that's the Timesian way of saying, excuse me, <laughs> someone's lying. <laughs> yeah, that is the same as the Times going, bitch, because that's, that's, how, that's how upstanding they are, allegedly. Even the police chief tells the Times, that is a little unusual. But he goes on to say, quote, the thing that we do know is that her car was on the interstate and she was not when we got there. And that's what we're trying to figure out. And do they figure it out? They do. A little bit. And that they figure out where Carly is because she returns home 48 hours after going missing. She returns to her family's home alone on July 15th. Medics arrive and take her to the ER for evaluation. And police say they're going to continue to investigate the case. But largely people are happy. It's an unexpectedly miraculous ending to a harrowing story. Perhaps too miraculous. Mm -hmm, Because this is where I'm sensing a bit of a U-turn coming. Mm -hmm, You'd be right. You'd be right. So Carly comes home. Her mother writes on Facebook that the family had not slept for the three nights that her daughter was gone. Quote, just as we made a commitment to not entertain negative thoughts during the time our daughter was missing, we surely will not entertain negative thoughts slash statements, unvalidated opinions, or sheer ignorance at such a joyous time. Her dad says that Carly has been experiencing, quote, bad dreams and, quote, moments where some things make her cringe. He also explained, quote, that different things like loud noises have been a, quote, trigger for her, which would make sense if you have recently experienced a kidnapping. Mm, Keyword if, though. Mm -hmm. So now for Carly's side of the story. On July 19th, the police chief who said Carly's story was a little unusual said in a news conference that since Carly had returned home, they had only interviewed her once. And her story is this. 
she was taken by a man in the woods who appeared after she approached this alleged toddler. This man picked her up, made her go over a fence and into a car. At some point, Carly ends up in the back of an 18-wheeler. She then tells police that she thinks that she heard a man and a woman in the front of the truck and that at some point she also heard a baby crying. She says that she escaped from the truck but was recaptured, taken by car to a house where her alleged kidnappers forced her to undress. According to the police, Carla was worried that nude photos of her had been taken, but she did not report any physical or sexual contact. Her abductors allegedly held her overnight and then put her back in the car at which point she escapes for a second time and basically runs through the woods all the way home. Candace, how do you feel about this story? Uh, It's like funny because sometimes they tell you that the best way to tell someone's lying is when they add too many details. So that's where I'm at, where it's like, you just have so many steps that I'm like, oh, this seems, this seems thought out. I'm not going to lie. The one image I have is from like, um, search party on hbo max where like alia shawkat's character decides to go back into the trunk onto which she escaped from (laughs) and so like that's kind of just where i'm thinking of like there's there's some loose loose knots that are not tied together this is interesting Mm -hmm. i i need to know more and the thing is there is more the investigation also turned up some Interesting internet history of Carly's. Mm. Uh, She allegedly looked up whether or not people have to pay for Amber Alerts, (laughs) which is honestly a question I have now. Mm -hmm. She looked up whether there was a maximum age of an Amber Alert. She looked up how to take money out of a register without getting caught. She looked for a one-way bus ticket from Birmingham to Nashville for the very same date she went missing. And then she also Googled the movie Taken. No. No, not taken, not taken. Mm -hmm, Taken, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The Liam Neeson joint, yes. Oh my God. Okay, I mean, what happened after that? A lot of jokes about her faking a disappearance to get the attention of her ex-boyfriend. Word on the Twitter sphere is that this is over your man. And as someone who's acted crazy over, over a boy or two in my day, Carly, let me tell you this. If that's the truth, I cannot say that I don't understand. I will not say that I don't understand. I see I see where you was going just a tiny bit. <laughs> just a tiny bit, bitch. Why you couldn't have just faked a pregnancy like a normal person? See, now my wife talking about she need a break from the kids for a couple hours. This is her second time doing this today. Man, I know you out here somewhere, probably in those woods, man. Girl, this your second time doing this today. Get your butt in the house. This girl staged a whole kidnapping and baby... I can see why. Okay. I guess she she was trying to get her man back. But baby, he's out of there, coach. <laughs> I know you don't know me, but uh, I would never fake my disappearance if I was with you. I just know that you real educated and <sighs> something about you, I don't know. This particular narrative got so much spin that said ex-boyfriend uh, came to her defense in an interview with the New York Post. He said, quote, I know what it seems like what she did. Just stop bullying on social media. Think about her mental health. She doesn't deserve that. She doesn't. Nobody deserves to be cyberbullied. Importantly, he does not deny 
that what it seems like she did actually happened. He also has removed all images of her from his Instagram. And I mean, why is no one talking about the fact that she alleges she had to take snacks to get kidnapped? That's the one thing. That's the one thing where I'm kind of like, I need this to be solved. Then we can talk about the rest of it. But wow, so many details, so many sides, so many allegedlies. I mean, is is this the end of it, Rachel? Like, do you think we'll ever really know what happened? So it seemed that way until Monday night when police called a last minute press conference mm-hmm. uh, where they said that Carly basically admitted that she had made the entire thing up. They currently are not filing charges against her. They might come later, but yeah. Um, uh, That's why. You know, I feel like I'm really speechless. Yeah. But I think it's a combination of making it up (laughs) and then admitting to it. I don't know. I think I would have just committed to the bit. I think what's really funny, though, is this is the second time this year that we've both been like so interested in a press conference. (laughs) The first one was Ocean Gate, if you guys remember. Just this the idea that we cared for one day, what the US Coast Guard had to say about something is wild. No charges though. That's that's a little generous, I think. But no charges yet is the important addendum. Um, there is one more fact to add, which is that Carly's ex-boyfriend has released a statement on Instagram. <gasps> um I'm not going to read the entire thing, but Mm -hmm. I I will read some of it. He wrote, quote, Carly's actions created hurt, confusion and dishonesty. I was made aware of the false narrative after coming to the defense of my ex Carly Russell. Myself and my family's nature was to react in love and genuine concern. We are disgusted from the outcome of this entire situation. I strongly feel exactly like you all blindsided with Carly's actions. Uh, this is tough. I mean, remember that one reporter from the New York Times who, like, her ex-boyfriend ended up dating Lady Gaga and she wrote a whole entire essay about it? It's just, like, funny that he felt he needed to prepare a statement. Like, he got lawyers, he got publicists, he's not even involved in this at all. But, I mean, okay, I guess I guess this becomes the end of it. Now, Rachel, what do you feel like we should take away from this sojourn, some may say? <sighs> I don't know if there's really much to take away. Sure, sure. I mean, I would say the the one thing we should take away is don't fake your own mm-hmm. kidnapping. But that doesn't feel like something we should have to say. <laughs> I think we do. I think we do. Because don't you think there is, unfortunately, a world where, like, Carly Russell, who Google taken, could be a listener of the show. I don't know. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. To all you ICY, my listeners, please don't fake your disappearance. But if you do, please record it on TikTok so we can talk about it. And if you do, I got two words for you guys. Private browser. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed with another mailbag episode on Saturday. So please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode and to never get your question potentially answered here on this show. Please leave a rating and review in Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod. Sorry, you can follow us on X at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why the fuck is this website called X now? And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com because email's forever. Social media sites, apparently not. ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley Ricks. 
Rachel Hampton, and me, Candace Lim. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or in Barbie World.